Cheeseburger. <laughs> Can I get a honey bun? I threw your mom ready for it. Oh, I wonder who it's gonna be, the fat kid or Sawyer? Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Poor Way Outdoors podcast. This is going to be our episode two. I think we're mainly going to cover Northeast United States whitetails with uh, rifles and maybe a little bit of muzzleloader flintlock if we get to it or not. Uh, once again, I'm Mason Zimmerman. I'm from central Iowa, and with me is Sawyer Hornberger, Ryan Frazier, and Cole Warner. So we'll go around the table one more time just to kind of refresh everybody since last episode. So I guess we'll start clockwise. Yep, I'm Sawyer Hornberger. Uh you know, I hunt Pennsylvania rifle season whenever I go home over Thanksgiving break. Yeah, I'm uh, Ryan Frazier. I hunt Western New York. Our rifle season about the same time, a week earlier. But uh, we mainly do some sitting, and then we do some deer drives, usually the second weekend of the season. So got a good outlook on gun hunting, but it's definitely a different experience. I'm Cole Warner. I'm from Western New York as well. Do the same thing, rifle hunt, um, but in my county, it's a little different rule-wise, but we'll get into that as <coughs> we get going. So I guess, uh, do you two boys want to start? We can get the New York perspective first, and then I can wrap it up here. Yeah, that's that's fine. I can I can kind of start with my experience. I, uh, Our family, or we have a group of guys that has a big camp, so we... Uh, we have a group of guys that gets together, you know, for rifle season. We have some guys that bow hunt, but mainly a big group of guys for gun season. And, uh, you know, we used to drive around some deer on our property, and but we have a lot of big timber. So it's a little bit different than it is um, a lot of places. And so we just, we sit a lot. We're lucky. We have some food pots and whatnot. We can hunt a good amount of feed, uh, especially in the afternoons, but... Uh, we have a group of guys that I work with and I'm friends with that do deer drives on the second second weekend of season. So uh, I work for a farmer, and uh, he has a lot of land. We're fortunate to have a good amount of ground to be able to drive, and he wants a lot of deer shot, and we do our best to provide that for him. Whether we do it or not, uh, it's a really good question, but... Um, we try so and it's fun it's always good to you know it's nice bow season is a little bit secluded you jump into rifle season and it's more of a group thing and it i think it adds just an extra piece to hunting that you don't get in bow season i think it's it's fun to experience being in a camp with a lot of guys um a lot of stories a lot of old timer stories a lot of probably bullcrap stories but they're all worth listening to and They've all got some truth to them when you really listen to them, but we uh, we did we did okay this year pushing deer, not as good as I would have liked to. We killed a few does and uh, nothing crazy for bucks or anything, but uh, we only pushed one day. Sometimes we pushed two days, and we only really pushed from noon to dark. So we didn't hit it as hard as we usually do, but people are busy, and you gotta kind of do it when you got time. So. We end up pushing a lot of just smaller blocks of timber from field to field. Uh, we're lucky. We have a lot of smaller fields, but it also leads to smaller blocks of timber. So, What what kind of topography are you working with there? Well, we got big hills. So, you know, we're either pushing like side hills that are timber from a field on top of that side hill to a field on the bottom or even – you know, a field on top of the hill, we push the side hill down into a gully. They hit that gully and run down the gully, and it kind of pinches them off. That's a 
that's what we shoot for. Uh, otherwise, we do have some flat topography, and uh, the farmer we hunt on, he's clear cut a lot of brush, and uh, he's clear cut all that brush, and he's tried to clear it and make it field, but he got a lot going on, and he doesn't always get to it as fast as the loggers get to it to cut it out. So it turns thick really quick and it holds a lot of deer and it's ugly to walk through, but it pushes a lot of deer out. I mean, our main big push that we usually push a lot of deer out of is 20 acres of timber, 20 acres of timber and brush, should I say. And we push it from one side of field to the other side that's a field. And we don't always push a bunch of big bucks out of there, but you can almost guarantee you're going to push 20 does or more out of there. And you got to be able to hit them. I mean, that's what it comes down to. You're going to see deer, but it's nothing like taking your rifle and sitting in your hut and lining your scope up and shooting them. I mean, it's a whole different game. Yep. And it's tricky to get used to, but I feel like once you do it a few times, you just, it's all muscle memory. It comes to you. And it's weird because, like, that first shot's always, like, way off. And then you get dialed right in and you just, you can feel it. Uh, it's a whole different experience, I think. And, a lot of people frown upon deer drives now, but if it's done right, there's no reason why it can't be safe. I mean, you have to be smart, you have to be logical, and you have to be willing to pass up easy shots knowing where people are. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to, and uh, I know Sawyer can attest to that. I mean, it's like anything. It, it can be dangerous. You just have to you have to pay attention, and you have to make it safe. And um, Thank gosh nobody got hurt this year you know we all live to drive another deer uh that's what matters actually you know that's what we tell a lot of our new guys is it's just a deer you know what matters is we go home we get to drink some beers and skin some deers if you would say but uh that's that's kind of my experience usually we do a lot of sitting the sitting doesn't really do it for me our camp does a lot of sitting so it's a lot of like good stories short pushes putting deer up with the good boys kind yeah. of deal yeah i you know when i was younger i would sit because i like to you know shoot you know just sit over food pot and shoot a doe at night like but it just doesn't do it for me now bow hunt i bow hunt a lot more now than i did before and i think that changed my outlook on rifle hunting it just isn't as fun as it is being up close and then I don't get the adrenaline adrenaline rush I do when I sit and rifle hunt that I would when I'm either shooting, running deer, or I'm bow hunting. And, you know, that's what I look for. You know, that's what I want when I hunt. I don't want to go out there and just be like, okay, here comes a deer, and I'm going to pick my rifle up, and I'm going to shoot it. That, that's no fun, you know. And people frown upon shooting, running deer, too. Well, guess what? You rarely, you rarely lose them. You lose them, but guess what? You lose them when you shoot them just sitting out of your rifle hut too yep. so I mean, you've grown up around the deer camp and that and as growing up in it what has that kind of taught you or or i mean the memories is probably the the big part but yeah just just being a part of the hunting stories and the hunting from it's you know, taught me how on. to tell a good story. <laughs> <laughs> it's taught me. It's taught the me one that, that got away, man. That, there's yeah. a 140 inch deer that just might have even been a six pointer, but he was 140 <laughs> inches. But he was bellowed to the ground at 120. I mean, and like I said before, there's truth to all those stories. 
And I, I think about a lot of those stories every day, you know. There's lessons in those. Yeah, there are. And as bull crap as they might be, I mean, those guys have been around a long time. And when you listen to them talk, you can just tell. You can, I mean, you pick up quick on their bull crap versus what they're talking, whether they're being serious when they talk. So being around that has definitely given me perspective when I get into a situation. I'm like, oh, I remember, you know, I remember when blank told It's know, just told like what we were story. kind of talking about in the last episode. Like history with spots helps oh. build confidence. It's yeah. so like once yep. you've done it one way for a yeah. while, you feel comfortable with it. So you're, Absolutely. you're able to go in after it. Kind of like what you're saying, your gun season spots, you kind of, you've done it enough times that you're comfortable with it. You kind of know what to expect versus going to a new spot. You're kind of hesitant, I guess I yeah, would say. But I feel like I've matured as a hunter, and now I like the challenge of going into a new spot and learning a new spot. But I, there's always that thing that's going to bring me back home to hunt that opening week of rifle season. Mm-hmm. There, the nostalgia. There, there's nothing. There's nothing home. that beats Friday night dinner before opening day rifle season, and everyone's just talking about where they're going to hunt tomorrow, what they're hoping to see. You know, oh, I think I'm going to shoot a doe, but. I might wait and shoot a doe later in the day if I see one. Or, you know, I'm going to sit all day. I'm packing my lunch right now. And there's nothing better than sitting in deer camp, listening to people talk. And just the camaraderie and of this it. Year, this year, I, I sat, like, you know, I've thought about it more being away from deer camp. Because, you know, during high school, I was, through, I was in deer camp all the time, all through the season. And so it was like, you know, there was, there was four or five guys there every weekend. And it was like, it was nice. That was a small group of guys. But then opening weekend comes, and there's 10 guys in that camp, and it's a whole different thing. And I sat in the kitchen, our camp set up. You can, you can sit in the kitchen and look through into the living room where most people are. And I was out in the living room or out in the kitchen. I don't know if I was getting a drink or what I was doing, but I just kind of sat there for a second and, and looked out. And, you know, these are a lot of guys that have been around each other for a long time, and yet they always still have something new to say, you know. And it's just a lot of people from a lot of different places coming together that have done a lot of different things in their lives. The culmination of knowledge. Oh, my God, it's unbelievable. <clears throat> but, but it's, and that, it's, that's the big thing for East Coast hunting is your traditional deer camps. Yep. That's where it all yep. started. The, the friendships yep. that you make out of that are, are lifelong. I mean, you, these guys that come to deer camp, they come every single year. They always keep in touch that, you know, you'll never lose that friendship and that connection with them and I think that's valuable in itself yeah I just I don't I don't like I just said before I don't think there's anything that could drag me away from that and I know Sawyer thinks the same way and I know he'll touch on that later but it's just something about and we we've grown as a group to have a couple camps come together now and you know it's unfortunate we had a big hill like our camps up on a hill and there's a couple other camps up there and before uh an older feller passed away we used to have friday night supper before opening morning and we have that as a camp now but it's not the same as bringing four camps together for that and it's it's a shame because i have seen you know from what the time i was 10 to the time i am like the agent i am now is like the there's not the hunters there used to be, and it's not the same as it used to be. You know, I was a 10-year-old sitting at that Friday night supper, and I was just, like, in awe of the stories the people were telling, the amount of people in there, and just 
the stories they had to tell. Of course, I was a gullible 10-year-old. You could have told me anything, but uh, there's nothing like it. I know everyone's going to touch on it. And it's different for me now. I've experienced a lot of other things. You know, I'm fortunate to have. And I'm glad now that I can bring my own knowledge back to that. And I can add to those stories. I'm no longer just that kid that sits there and listens. You know, I can jump in. I can be like, yeah, you know, this year it's a little different out where I'm hunting now. I experienced this. And I think that's really cool to be able to explain. You know, it, it almost makes you feel like you're really, you've really fit in. You know, and you're there, and you're a part of that, and it, there's there's nothing better. I know I keep saying that. I'm gonna re- I'm gonna repeat myself a hundred <laughs> times, but there is nothing better. Yeah, no, it's it's all the same, and I'll let someone else talk about it because I know I'm going in circles. But there, yeah, I mean, know. I I come from a different aspect. My family didn't grow up hunting. I uh, I got into it when I was, I want to say I was uh, 14 years old when I first started hunting, and I think hunting has really just brought my close friends to you know the 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 friends that i've made through it i'll I'll never you know i'll never be thankful enough for them and and hunting in general just brings you know like ryan and mason have said and sawyer just the camaraderie of everyone that coming together um going hunting but in my um county i hunt a little about 45 minutes north of ryan um my family has a farm um but in our county even though it is uh, gun season, we can only use shotguns just due to make claim the population in that. Um, so it's a little different in the aspect of sitting wise. You can't, you know, shoot as far with a rifle. But I think that's part of the challenge to it. Kind of gives a little different aspect to it. But we don't uh, do a lot of deer drives on our farm. We kind of just sit in our ag fields and and hope they come out. And we we're successful in in that. But I think you know the the camaraderie in the in the East Coast way of hunting is something that will never die. It'll always be a a place in the East Coaster's heart. So I think Sawyer can touch on that a lot too, um, just being from a different region and that. And and they have similar things, but they also have different things. And I think you know he can he can add to that. Yeah. So Central PA. Uh, a lot of ag uh we have a lot of ridges that roll into mountains too so the hunting style is uh we're big deer deer drivers and you know our area has one other rival gang if you want to call it um you know we were all connected hearing the stories from the guys that we hunt with two brothers two brothers that got in a fight and they split up split their land up and there's two crews that push and you know we all push our legal limit of 25 guys every year some years there might be a little over um and you know we just have a blast and like ryan said we don't we don't have a camp to say but we got a camp we're just we don't have a building to bring it all together in uh other than our butcher house um so uh ryan was talking about you know the archery season pressure our area we are way overpopulated with deer so archery season is probably just as hard on a deer as rifle season is it might not be as intrusive as rifle is because every joe smoke can go carry a rifle out there and sit in their hut and shoot a deer 
Uh, but, you know, uh, our private ground, we don't push any public ground. So we have three main ridges that we can hunt. Basically, both sides of them because they aren't that wide. And we can pretty well push a whole ridge at one time. Um, so we we get out there and we get after the deer and we don't want many to get out. So uh, back in the day, you'll hear stories of the little bit of outlaw going on. I guess statute of limitations is up. We can talk about this, but they would go out and they would get dump truck cr- dump truck fulls of does and PA had a three day doe season on the end of their, you know, it was just a buck only season for two weeks. They would have a three day doe season back, I guess that changed in the nineties. Um, and they would, they would, uh, shoot dump truck fulls of does and they would bring a load with tags, pull the tags off and go back and <laughs> get another oh, load. Those are the, those are the stories you wonder how real they are, but you almost wonder they might probably have some I, truth to I them. I think they might have some yeah. truth to them. I think <laughs> that happens more often than what you think, I think. Yeah, for sure. But Even uh out here. But uh yeah, so that that's kind of the mentality. It's never changed. We if it's brown it's down and we want to get them and, and that's the one of the biggest difference between hunting Iowa and here is the quality of deer, you know. Uh, this is probably the first year I passed up. It was a legal buck, but it was it was just too small, and I got a little snooty. Well, that's your PA coming out of you again. Every buck in Iowa is a legal buck. That's true. So, in PA, we Did have Did you a, just say a legal buck? Yeah, three, in the state of Iowa, out. a legal buck in I Iowa. Thought, I thought you were talking about you passed a legal buck in PA. Yeah, I did. He did. Okay. He did. Okay, you did. Yeah. Yeah, so PA has antler restrictions. Uh my area is three up, so it's gotta have three points on one side. Some some areas are I guess mine's not called three points, it's just a three point antler restriction. Other areas are three up. They have to have three on one side of the main beam, the brow tine doesn't count. So my area the brow tine counts towards your towards your three points. So this was the first year I passed one up, but it's I doubt it's that Iowa getting to him now. Yep, that's what the guys. Hey, told welcome me. to the dark side. Yep, that's what the guys told me. They were like, "You're drinking too much of that Iowa water." I said, "Yep, my belly's showing it." Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyhow, um, yeah, we we have an absolute good time. We we get guys that are coming in. Some have moved away. You know, they're two or three hours away and they make sure they come back at least once during the season and uh you know we like to shoot deer we'll we'll shoot them work them up uh get them skinned that night you know some days we'll have 14 deer laying in the butcher house yeah i will say as an iowa resident um if you ever have the ability whether you're in iowa missouri utah california florida anywhere if you have a pa boy around have him help you because he will have that deer done and ready to go before you even get turned around. Like it'll be quartered up in bags, well, ready we, to rumble. We skinned one tonight. Me and you went at it, and it, we didn't hurry. Yeah, they got it out of the we, truck, and they don't. I don't think that they were paying attention to what I was doing, but I put a timer on them. They had a doe hung up, skinned, and about ready to be quartered in six and a half minutes. <laughs> 
Yeah, that we peeled that hide. Yeah, that and one was pretty slick. I didn't even do much on that. It was just, cold too. Yeah, it wasn't even warm. And but I will say, and it's so great being getting in a group of people from different places because I've learned even from Sawyer is I think I'll I'll skin down past the tendons before I hang a deer. Yeah, that first now. that first one that was done here was a learning curve because there's a lot of. I don't want to say ideas. strong wills, there but there ideas. was a lot there of... There was a lot of hard heads, and I'll admit that. Yeah. It was a lot of my way head. or the highway yep. kind of way to put it, yep. but now I think it's pretty efficient. Yep. We're good. And Two people can just, skin a deer damn quick, Yeah, and I'm going to buy one of those grabber things next year, and we're going to be able to peel the thing. We're going <laughs> to peel it. I mean, just look at the... Again, rate. shout out to the Turnbulls for hosting. <laughs> uh, without them, we would be probably... In my apartment know. garage. Yeah, that was our next. That was our next idea. Um, <laughs> and much. who knows if those the rafter beams in, are actually gonna the hold. tree in front of Ryan. Well, I was, that wasn't my worry. I was worried about getting the cops called on us. <laughs> oh no, we would have been good there. I mean, we could have <laughs> rolled the door down. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So, <clears throat> our camp to say, if you want to call it, we'll we'll skin deer Saturday night or whatever. Any any day we hunt. Uh, we won't push, you know, every single day of the week we'll do because we can't hunt hunt Sundays. We'll do Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, uh, maybe a Thursday, and then Saturday again. Yeah, that's something most people probably don't think about is, is PA not being able to hunt yep. Sundays. You, it's a little different now, I know. I mean, you could probably talk about that quick, but yeah. I mean, it's pretty simple. But. Yeah, so we only get three Sundays out of the year. There's one for archery season, one for bear because uh, we have a bear rifle bear season before – our rifle season opens the week before and then we have the first sunday of rifle season that we can hunt but so which it makes it nice because we get those deer skin saturday night we let them hang and you know other than the first it gives you a physical day of work yep other than it's a required day of work other than (laughs) the first day of rifle season when we work them up sunday um you know all those deer if if they push Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, they have an opportunity that Sunday nobody's hunting, nobody's going to bring any more deer in, and they can get them worked up, ground up, any like anything anybody wants, and you take it all home. And, uh, you know, ev- everybody loves it, everybody pitches in, and everybody gets their meat. And I think another thing is that y- – it's it's almost nice that it's a Sunday because you don't have a ton of people bail on you for butchering. Yep. You know, because if we say we're going to butcher on Monday, you know, or we're not busy on a Tuesday, we're going to butcher on Tuesday, people are like, mm, I got to work. Sorry, can't. And then you're stuck yep. cutting up people's deer. And then they come back and wonder where their meat is. Yeah, so we have guys, you know, they want to go to church on Sunday. A lot of our guys do go to church, yep. but during deer season, Sundays are for cutting up deer. Which they is, don't go to which church. Which is pretty cool, yeah. Wow. So, well, Again, they, ain't Amish, they, ain't, yep. they ain't Amish enough. No, we aren't Amish enough. <laughs> but, yeah. Just uh, when it comes to chasing pheasants because this dude walks at a million miles an hour oh my god, god bless him my legs still hurt thinking some, about some it. guys i can't even keep up with i think we should touch on the fact that where sawyer's from at the topography's similar to what ryan's hunting but can you want to touch on the fact of how i mean yeah so you, we we have like a very uh 
It's an interesting ridge system. So we'll, we have big mountains, you know, that are, I don't know, a thousand foot high. And then we have ridge system, ridges and valleys in between these bigger mountains, I guess you want to call them. And so those ridges will be, you know, they're ridges with bench systems on them, uh, you know, that come up to a point. Some of them are flat tops, but they're all pretty manageable. You can spread guys out over top of them. You well, can, it helps when you have 25 of them. Yeah, you can push a whole ridge out. I know. Uh, we, we push. If we get a dozen guys together, that's a good push for us. Yep. But we don't, we don't have the people. We yeah. don't, like. Yeah, back when we would push in Iowa before we got away from it, we would have anywhere from six to twelve tops, yeah. and yeah, it was not enough. But we still. And we're to the point where we got a bunch of twenty-year-olds, which is nice. Don't get me wrong, because you don't have to deal with like older people. Which it was almost nice this year. We went away from some of the pushes, the the way we set up some of the pushes that the old guys have done for twenty years, and we killed deer that way. Like it opened their eyes. Well, they were gone. They didn't come. They didn't hunt with us this year. Oh, even better. And, like, me and my buddy were like, well, why don't we put flank – like, why don't we put a flank on this side? Like, we know deer are running out that way, but these guys have been doing it for 20 years. They're going to do it the same way every year and never change it. And sure enough, I, I killed a deer out the side. And sure enough, she crossed the road, came right down to me, I shot her. And I, I guess we can talk a little bit about how we drive – we set up a deer drive – our deer drives are pretty simple. I mean, at least Sora and I can kind of talk about that, but our deer drives are pretty simple. We, uh, like I talked about, we go basically from one field through timber to another field, and depending on what we have, if it's flat, we almost like to sit right on the edge of the field, uh, right on the edge of the field in the timber that we're pushing through, and we like to p- let deer come past us and shoot behind us um a lot of times we don't have the topography to shoot into a ridge or into a ditch or anything like that so we kind of have to you know to play it safe that's what we have to do um otherwise we we know a lot of deer run to corners of fields you know that's the closest way they can get to timbers to the corner and so we know we can kind of sandwich them down in that pinch pinch point there but um, yeah, a lot of times we just line up and straight push. That's a lot of our, t- our, a lot of our pushers are square and you tell someone to walk straight north and we say, pull out a compass if you have to. I say, all your phones have compasses on them. I say, pull it out and walk straight north and you won't get freaking lost. People still get lost, but it's, it's usually not bad. Um, Oh, and then like I talked about, we have a lot of big hillsides of timber that you can't farm. And then on the top of that is a field typically or a road. Top of the hill is usually a road or a field. And we're able to push either from the road or the field straight down to either a field on the bottom side of that hill or uh, just a, like a gully, like a, the bottom of the hill or the foot of the foot of the ridge, as Sawyer would say. Um and the deer just run down and pinch down in that bottom and then follow the bottom out. It's usually, there's usually a crick that they follow out. And then we can just line that crick and they run right in front of everybody and you just shoot into the hill and you know you're being safe the whole way. And That's what matters, knowing and being able to make people comfortable shooting. You know, when you set a blocker up on a push, 
you want to be able to be like, look, there's going to be deer that run through here, and it's nice being around and doing it enough and seeing what the deer do because typically they do the same thing. But it's nice being able to sit a, a blocker up and say, look, you're going to be able to shoot from this tree to this tree straight in front of you. Don't shoot above this point. I say, if they get behind you, there's nothing back there because you can shoot them. I said, there's nothing ever behind you. I tell everybody that. But I say, once they get through the line, you can shoot them. That's, that's always your safe and clear, typically, unless there's a house or something that you're dealing with. But it's nice to be able to set someone up and say, you can shoot from this tree to this tree and right there. And that's what we always shoot for. We try and keep it safe. And we always try and know or at least have an idea of where deer are going to be. Because there are a lot of people that get nervous. They hear stories. They hear people talk about dangerous deer drives are dangerous. Da 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 da. But you got to be able to make them comfortable and, and make them make them know that. Look, as long as you're here and you're here, think about it. How are you going to shoot someone else and and or shoot at even shoot at someone else? I don't I don't even want to say shoot someone else, but that that's what's important to me is keeping it safe, make everyone comfortable, and kill some deer. Because that's that's really what we're what we're there for at the end of the day. Yeah, and I'll I'll talk about, you know, since our topography, you know, they have big hills with flat tops and flat bottoms. You know, our ridges go up and they come right back down into a valley. So most of our drives are, you know, set up from a road to road or property line to property line, but we have access roads into each of those. And, uh, you know, our ridges usually have a point, so your point guy is who you're guiding off of, and he controls both sides of your drive which is one of your most important guys in your drive because uh you know both if those sides get messed up things can get western real quick especially with deer running everywhere people people start uh piling deer up and things get messed up you got to have that guy that's in control and uh walkie talkies are probably your most important thing where yeah. they're permitted yeah where I they're would, permitted i would have to agree uh, on that. you know pa has uh we're allowed to use walkie talkies you just can't coordinate game movements with them and we don't so nope all we uh we i can speak on that just quick to not interrupt sawyer but uh we use walkie talkies to no more than make sure our line on both sides is set and to let everybody know that pushers are starting basically so that they know they can be ready and they can keep their eyes and ears open essentially yep so our drive gets set up you know usually you know we've done these drives for decades and everybody knows where everyone's supposed to be uh you know you have a certain certain number uh our ridges run east west so this is probably some terminology that these boys haven't heard me use yet but we have a winter side and a sun side on our ridges uh so sun side's your south facing slope and your winter side your north facing slope because snow lasts longer on your north facing slope so everybody knows who needs to be on the winter side how many we need on the winter side who needs to be on the sun side and how many we need on the sun side um so then those guys get set up uh the drivers they drop the water the watchers drop the drive off and then those spots that those guys that watch sit have been doing that since probably they were teenagers and some of our guys are close to 90 years old. Uh, and, and they still get out there and they, they hobble out to their spots. Uh, a couple years ago, 
we took some cut some stumps up and took them out to their spot so they have somewhere to sit and uh the deer do it every I single mean, time true, true testament to once it's in your blood it never leaves yep. kind of deal and uh unfortunately i i forgot to ask my dad but our main guy 89 years old this year he was all fired up to go hunting with us saturday we stopped in and talked to him friday he had his coat laid out and everything and he had to go to the hospital saturday morning so kind of bummed out but he was all fired up when we were cutting deer up on sunday he was back and healthy i don't know if he made it out this year or not but uh you know those those guys they live for it and that's and they've seen it and they've seen it all they they've been around since forever <laughs> i mean you think about how much you've seen since you're probably i mean what can you start hunting in pa eight years old uh you can start as soon as you're able to carry a gun like you can mentor mm, <laughs> so so i i started hunting whenever i was eight i guess eight is the is the minimum i started hunting when i was eight i was with a crew when i was eight i was a watcher i walked along sometimes and that's where I learned to walk fast, Mason. When you had little legs. That's your eight-year-old you had soul. That, you, I got, you had that leg pace when you I, were eight, and you I kept got, it the whole way. I got yelled at, yep. And uh, What were you carrying at eight years old? If I, uh, I couldn't carry a gun until I was 12, so I, w- I would have to keep up. If I was on the drive, I would have to keep up with usually my dad. Uh, and he would carry the gun for me. I never shot one off of a drive. Um, so oh, oh, so you... You could shoot, you, could shoot, you just couldn't, you couldn't carry, carry it. I couldn't carry it. If we were walking. Now, if I was sitting, I could have the gun, yeah, like, on yeah. me. Ah. So, uh, the first year, I had a twenty-two Hornet. <laughs> <laughs> he just gave it... He, yeah, he, he just, you weren't going to shoot no, anything. No, <laughs> I wasn't going to shoot anything with it. And, and even then, if you shot it, you weren't going to hit it. Se- second year, I got a Rossi 243 single shot, and wow. I laid the hammer with that. Oh, yeah, I can only that, I was... I laid the law down with that till I was Undoubtedly, dead. single shot rifles are probably they probably have the highest rate of harvested animals out of every rifle. Oh it, no. I doubt. think it makes you earn your earn your shot. Oh, for sure. Well people would tell me they've never heard a single shot shoot that fast. Oh nine year old slur shoving two forty threes in the back of that yep. So uh uh, then whenever I was nine, I shot, I shot my first deer off of a drive, big old mammy doe. Was, was she running? No, I was sitting with my pop and shot her right in the hip. She went down and she started, <laughs> started bawling. <laughs> you did or she did? No, she did. Oh and man. I was out of shells. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last one. Yeah, I, that was the last one for the day. And, uh, my pop was with me and. Whenever you're like mentoring a kid, you're not supposed to have your rifle, so he didn't. So I didn't have any shells. I was all worked up. Oh, I, I wanted to go get the go get the uh, next watcher over to us to go finish her <laughs> But oh god, yeah, first deer started a whole nother story for a whole nother day. It is. Well, that counts because I shot my first deer off a push. Wow. I, wasn't, I did she too. wasn't running first, now. First couple of deer. She I, wasn't running. First. Yeah, first handful of deer I ever shot came Iowa deer drives, shotguns. Yep. Mine was with a bow. Yeah, 12 we years can't, old. We can't all be that special. Yeah. You know? Hammer button buck. <laughs> Monster. With a Walmart broadhead that fell apart in the ribcage. 
Shout out to my dad for being cheap. Actually, actually, my first couple deer that I shot, I was sitting with my pop, and I didn't want to sit with my dad. Like, if he would watch with me, I wouldn't want to do it because I thought he was bad luck for me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. No, my first deer were, I was always nominated to push, and I had no idea where I was going. They just said, like, point me in direction. You didn't have Onyx then. No, dude. It, it, it was in southeast Iowa where I had never yeah. been before. And they're like, yeah, I mean, just stay in the creek. So I shot three deer, and they all died in the water. And I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so, like, you know, 16-year-old me is wondering if I continue on the push or what. So, like, I would walk. <laughs> I would finish the push, and I'd be, like, missing half my clothing because I'd be, like, <laughs> hanging orange shit in the tree, <laughs> you know? It's like we could find my deer later. <laughs> so, like, there'd be spots where there'd be, like, you know, I'd lose a glove, and then I'd lose my hat, and then I'd lose my other glove because, you know, I'd, I'd just be hanging stuff up on trees. But I guess you guys, I don't know if you did that well, or not. Well, that's but. another thing. So, shooting deer in a drive um, – you got to learn to be able to gut them really quick. And I think I've passed some of that knowledge on to Cole at least. You yeah, tell you me. guys gut them when you shoot them. If you're, if you're pushing, yep. if you're a driver. You gut them. You gut them. Yep. And keep walking. And if, if we can afford to drop a person, whoever shoots it will drag it to where we can get to it. Um, Let me tell you. We go back. We go back for them. Uh, yeah, we just put a – piece up in there and you come back later yeah them nope. boys know how to Wait, I guess. granted our lay lands a little different though too we can about drive a ranger to yeah anywhere i mean deer all dies. of our stuff usually yeah. you can just drag it down to where you can get it but some places you either have to drag it back or around somebody else's property to get to where we can get to yeah it. we but if we shoot them in the drive and not out in the field which typically if we're all and that's another thing. We can legally use rifles where we're at in New York, but we only we we push for shotguns when we when we drive. Um, I don't know what it is. It's um, you know, f- like shells are six, cheap. They don't go as far. It's a safety six, thing, probably. Yeah, it, it, it is. But like six years ago, you couldn't rifle hunt in New York, or six or eight. I could, I guess. So I you guys just had you. a stockpile. And too. so and so. Those original guys, everyone pushed with shotguns anyway. Yeah. That's all you could use. So I think we've just continued that. I think it makes everyone feel a little more comfortable realizing that the bullet couldn't go for miles. You're not miles. shooting ridge top to ridge top. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think when you watch a shotgun shell go 200 yards and fall like eight feet, <laughs> it, makes feel, it makes everyone feel a little more it's comfortable. It's a little comforting. So I, th- I think that's why we do that. We can use rifles. We don't. We just feel make everyone feel a little more comfortable with shotguns and nothing beats a hole that a 12 gauge puts inside a <laughs> deer so unless you're in yeah. northeast iowa yeah well no, you can see happen. you you can see the people right through the giant <laughs> yeah shout out miles shout out miles man you can see him straight through man <laughs> right through you'll never live that one yeah, down. so here here's a little story a little tidbit uh, on that we uh this year we got into a piece and right at the beginning of the drive this is, in, this is in Pennsylvania. This is in Pennsylvania. So we get it right into the drive. He's right coming down off the point of the ridge. I walk down around into a field, and he jumped deer right there. We lay. Who's he? Your dad? No, one of my buddies, Matthew. Oh, okay. Matthew Weimer. He's a killer. Shout out. <laughs> and, Part uh, of the poor way. Basically, he's a big first white guy. That's okay. We all are. We're working for it. 
And uh, we we dropped three deer right out in that field. Um, my dad was on the point of the ridge. He was down over the side, and I was on the bottom. We had those three deer gutted, dragged to where they needed to be in ten minutes, and we were ready to go again. Good lord, <laughs> good God! Couldn't and, be me. And those, and those, <laughs> Couldn't be me. And those gut jobs are clean. Yeah, yep. they are efficient. They aren't, they aren't messy. Yep. Just it's, don't do it with a dull knife. Well, look from well, mine well, was three, pretty dull this year. Three uh, deer I later, I didn't learn my lesson yet. Three deer later, they're pretty dull. Yeah. I mean, not growing up around hunting like I did, it, each person you talk to gives you a different aspect on hunting, and they want you to kind of follow that. And it's just, I think I've been around so many different ways of doing such that it's just, it's cool to see how each different hunting camp or each different party does things differently. Um, I went on a drive with a bunch of old timers um, that actually pushed my grandparents farm and the way they did it, it was, I mean, they, they, again, they, you know, not, not being around it, they pushed into these fields and it was just a, you know, shoot until you have no shells left. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, six holes in a deer, you're until that deer stops running, you keep shooting. Yeah. And I learned hardcore this weekend. Until you know that sucker's dead, shoot it. Cause I was shotgun. I would deer keep going. I was shotgun hunting this weekend, and uh, may or may not have had a nice. Ryan got a buck. Ryan got a taste of Iowa deer drives in the absolute will to live <laughs> that these Midwest deer have. It's nuts. I can't believe it. They just refuse to go like down. Like it was unbelievable. Like the videos of bucks that get shot on camera by broadheads and you can literally see them pumping and they don't like they just act like they weren't hit. Yeah. I mean, like I've shot some deer at home pushing like through the guts and they just roll and go down and be dead cuz I hit them with a 12 gauge shotgun. Well, I done hit this forkhorn at like 20 yards with my 12 gauge through center mass and he just he He ate it he ate it and (laughs) kept running and i missed the second shot and the third shot hammered him and rolled him and he and he fell down and hit the ground and i'm shoving shells in the bottom of my gun and i look up and he's running away from me i'm like you were just laying dead 30 seconds ago and now you're up and running away from me and uh, I guess I should have just kept shooting them. So from now on, every deer will be Swiss cheese. I don't care if I'm shooting the back strap. <laughs> I'm going to keep shooting until I know that that thing has nothing keep left. Keep shooting. Back to the, the East Coast strategies for deer pushing. Um, if Sora and Ryan want to give, when you look at a piece of property to push, are you – you know, obviously you you say you push into the fields, but in a place that you can't do so, what, I mean, say you have a block of timber, um, you don't own a field. You, can, you, you can block the woods. Are yeah. you blocking so, in the woods? Are so you pushing with, into bottoms? With, our, with the way our ridges are set up, we have saddles and um, benches. So... Most of your deer, or if they're going to come across, they're going to come through a saddle. And 
if they're not, they're running straight out the benches. They're, they're not side hilling anything. So most of your guys are going to be set on benches. Easy way out. They're, they're going to yep. take the easy way out. They're because looking, the they're fastest. looking for the easiest Path of least resistance. It's the, fast, it's the fastest for them. Yeah, so I, that's the way we set up stuff. Yeah, I mean, most of our drives are just field to field, but we can you can block the timber the same way you do a field. I mean, it depends. If we're doing if we're blocking in the timber, which we're hunting a farmer's ground, if there's a field next to timber he owns, he's gonna own the field too. Which we're lucky and we're fortunate that way. But it, it's similar setup. You just gotta be say it's the same thing. You just gotta realize where everyone's coming from, and if you have to let deer through, let deer through and shoot them when they get behind you. But and I, I guess we we kind of group this into East Coast deer drives or something special. But they do like Mason said. I mean, they do them. They do them in the Midwest, and they're similar. They're very same. And there's deer camps everywhere. But I think this it's what we've grown up around, and I think we wanted to just kind of touch on that. It's in that this tra- It's that tradition of, you know, like Ryan said, that Saturday morning for opening day. It. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. I mean, that's what you. As a young kid, you live for that. That's absolutely yeah, when, what you, when you have for. to fire up the second coffee pot to have enough coffee made for everyone in the morning, that you just that just that gets you fired up. <laughs> so we were some. I guess I kind of had the same experience as Cole. Like I didn't come from a family who hunted or anything like that. I think my dad more or less did it because it was something I wanted to do, and I think he shot like maybe two deer. And, uh, but the group that we hunted with down south, there was, it was kind of the same deal. We would always meet in the morning of season at this little diner, and there'd be a guy in our group who's an older guy. I since passed, but he would buy breakfast for every single hunter that came in every single opening day. I want to be friends with him. Yeah, it, it was super cool. Like, it was one of those little towns of 100 people, you yeah. know, like any hunter that came in opening morning. He bought breakfast for it. Like, he would just pay the bill. And it's just something that you just don't forget about, you know? Yeah, and I, I'd have to say after this weekend, it's it's not it's not the same at home with deer drives. Like, we're the only group on our hill that that drives deer anymore. Um, yeah, I can talk about that, too. Yeah, I mean, but. it. but I went to northeast Iowa and drove deer this weekend. And, I mean, every, like... Like, every other truck you drive by on the highway has got guys with orange in them going to the next drive, you know. And everyone everyone drives deer, and, and very few people sit. And, well, even Sawyer but, and I but I think it's way. I think it's the way the shotgun season, the seasons are. Like, you have three days to kill a deer, or five days to kill a deer for first season or whatever it is. Like, you might as well just hit her hard and push those deer around. Like. Yep. It's not like at home. Like unless you've got two, some, two unless you've got some money more. spot for early December, which rarely anybody does. It's early December, like the deer. Are unless starving. you're for some reason the farm that I hunt and the deer that you're hunting all season long daylights at ten o'clock <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, well, that's weird. Yeah, it is weird. But you'll have that. Yeah. So, but yeah, like it's not the same at home. Like, like our camp does nothing but sit now we used to drive around a little bit like i said our property isn't necessarily great for driving it was it's almost better to have guys sit and then have some guys walk around just to get deer on their feet and we still do that guys get bored and walk around and it helps and uh but i mean our group is the only group that hunts like that way you know that that 
goes from spot to spot and drives deer. And there used to be three or four of them. And it's not, you know, it's not the same as it used to be, at least as I, as I can remember. And I'm sure before I can even remember, there was a lot more groups. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. Sure so touch on so our, our group, before they split into two, you know, they were the main one. Everybody wanted to come along with them. And, you know, aside from our main three ridges that we hunted on, you know, there were other cruiser guys that hunted too. But, uh, you know, m- my dad would tell stories, you know, whenever he was just beginning to hunt, you know, they would push a ridge for three miles from town to town. They would have enough guys to cover it. And, you know, that's what they would do. I mean, how many day. guys is that? 40 guys? Oh, my goodness. It was before they had limitations. I mean, that's a half day. Yeah. Well, you if, know, if their limitation that. is 25, I guarantee they probably had at least double. Yeah. Yeah, I mean – I mean, if if you're if that's what you're doing, I mean, you're starting at, at seven o'clock in the morning. and You're pushing until noon yep. on one drive. Yep. But and I'm sure you probably killed thirty yeah. freaking deer. And uh, you know, on a bad day. He yeah. he yeah, on a bad day. he he told me, you know, the amount of ground that has been lost in his lifetime to be able to push. You know, that has went in. You know, we call them in posters. You know, they get posted unfortunate yeah it is unfortunate and you know he has lost ground that i have never even stepped foot on and probably won't ever and within my lifetime you know we lost uh at least one whole drive because it got posted and you know uh people get so upset now you know people drive and they don't think it's right but they're sitting in their huts all day and they're not seeing deer and, you know, one of my buddies, they have an adjoining property all posted, but they won't let us come through it. But they wait till we come through our property and they see deer and they <laughs> shoot deer. Almost like it gets deer on their yep. feet. Because guess what? After that first day of shotgun season, if you're driving deer around, yep. after that, you better be driving deer because those deer are going to move. And, I mean, and those, es- the deer aren't dumb. Es- I mean, especially you, you gotta. Especially in PA, you know, every everybody rifle hunts. There's Everybody builds their big fancy tree houses, and they don't touch them until that first Saturday. And when all that movement at 5 o'clock in the morning on this, Crazy day in November. They uh, the deer realize that and they lock down pretty tight after that. So you drive through there and get yep. them going. Because guess what? They're like not to gonna if moving. you don't. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a whole different world and and there's a million outlooks on it and there's a million ways to do it. And but none of them are the right way and none of them are the wrong yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. You're right about that. Well, some of them might be the wrong way, but <laughs> yeah. the unsafe way is the wrong yeah. way, really. As long as you're killing deer and being safe, that's all that matters. Yep. Yeah, I mean, even to segue into, like, Iowa gun seasons, I mean, Ryan, you experienced it this year with your crew that you went with that they were somehow adopting you into. Um, yeah. And then even Sawyer got to – get a little taste of it down in southwest iowa we went down to my grandparents and we ended up in the middle of a drive somehow (laughs) oh that's safe (laughs) yeah yeah so we were we'd been through a piece actually we shot a coyote on it and uh we were driving out through a farm that i thought i only had permission on and i looked to my left and walking down the waterway is a guy in orange and then to our right there's two guys in orange and as we're driving up, there's a guy in orange leaning on the fence, and then there's two more guys leaning on the fence, and they got the whole driveway blocked off with pickups. 
Yeah, so I realized real quick in Northeast Iowa that farmers will give, like, five people permission to drive their property. <laughs> and, like, that's why we were up at 530 in the morning because we wanted, a to, race. We wanted to hit a property yeah. first that we knew other people had permission on. Like, we were lucky that a couple farms only that group that I hunted with had permission on it. Um, but they, this, they this farm. They those till the, later. Right. And so we hunted them more in the afternoon. But this farm, the neighbor that lives in the house there says four people, four groups a day go through and drive that. And it's a, it's a son of a gun of a drive. <laughs> and it's, it, it's steep. And they probably all push deer. And there's probably deer that circle back around because there's state land across the road that gets pushed by people in the state land. And all they do is hop up and deer just move everywhere. And we hunted three, uh, one piece of one piece of ground, pushed it three times in three days, and there was just as many deer in there at the same time. All you do is push them out one end, and the other group on the other end pushes them back in. Well, I think and that's something to like hit on for the people that are new. It it's different when you bump a deer during a deer drive. It's not gone. That deer is circling back. That deer will be back in that piece at some point. It. I mean, you can go back like Ron said. You can push it. You know, once a day, and go back the next day, and you'll still push uh, deer as long as, as long as your neighbors as are as also doing the same na- thing. I mean, yeah, if there's it, a little sacred piece of ground that that no one touches, they're gonna find that. And they're gonna hunker yeah. down in there. But that's the nice thing. Like I said earlier, everybody drives. Well, that's deer. what it was too. Where we were down, we were down south, and uh, the biggest deer we saw all day went into the smallest block of timber yep. we we yep. saw. Yep. Yep. And. And, and he, he was he hold up and he was belly to the ground the entire way to it and once he hit it he was down like immediately he oh, I don't he I was, don't doubt he's it ducking in don't doubt it a bit yeah had had we had a spotting scope we probably could have picked him out yeah I mean just binoculars just couldn't do it yeah oh I'm sure he was hiding but the, I mean like the the block of timber it was, was maybe a hundred yards long by fifteen yards wide yeah. It so it doesn't okay. matter. I mean, you don't need huge hundred acre blocks of timber to push. Not, not here. where we not were. Here. Where we were at. Not in Iowa. The part of Iowa we're in, it's all rolling hills, and it's just finger draws, waterways growing up. So it's not like central Iowa or southern Iowa where there's bigger blocks of timber. It's all pretty small stuff. I mean, so for Ryan and Sawyer, when you guys are pushing at home, I mean, you, what's like ideals? I mean, are you? talking ideal size of 50 60 acre blocks of timber that you're trying to push or i mean because the the bigger your timber is the more people you need to have and the less you need to have like the more people and everything you're gonna have that are blocking and pushing and everything like that so what i mean what is an ideal drive i guess is, Uh, is the question i mean the bigger we can get the better because we just have the manpower and uh if if we can flank it and keep the deer in, that's the best case scenario we can get. But yeah, with the with the people we have, like with ten to twelve people, I wanna I want a thirty acre block of thick timber with briars and all sorts of crap that the deer that the neighbors walk in through to get to their stand drive up in there and push up in there and they find that thick stuff and they hunker down in it and that's almost why we wait till second weekend 
one, people are busy first weekend. Farmers still cutting corn and everything. So second weekend works out better usually. And and by then, a lot of deer are pushed and hunkered into that. With Iowa, with first season to second season, deer just keep getting drove around. And they get a little break middle of the week, and then they're right back at it. And um, So a 20, 30-acre block of timber that's, you know, 400 if, if you're, like, 300 yards by, well, I don't know what it Do would the be. math. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, you, I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter the dimensions. If it's a 30, 40-acre block of timber and you can have six guys pushing it and six guys blocking it or five guys pushing it and seven guys blocking it, that's ideal. I mean, that's, that's what you want. and Because uh, it, it's going to hold deer, but it's also manageable to keep deer in because um, we don't have the terrain to keep deer in. Like you said, they're going to follow those benches out. They're not going to just randomly go dive down into a gully and out and back and around and everything else. They're going to take that bench and follow it, or they're going to come up and over the saddle and out that way. And So without that terrain, I mean, the best way to keep them in is to just keep it a manageable size of woods, and especially knowing how thick it is. If you can surprise them, that's the best thing. Because if you give them enough room to figure out where you are and what you're doing to them, they're going to sneak out. They're just smart enough. Yeah. Especially a big buck. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we flintlock hunt. We, we'll push on the weekends, uh, you know, when we have our flintlock season in PA in late December into January. And, you know, we'll have a smaller crew there. Most times it's only six guys. Sometimes we get up to ten. But, uh you know we're looking for those smaller pieces stuff that's easier to corral the deer in, and we just want to get the deer moving because we know where they're going to go and we just want to get them in front of people so i mean there's there's a lot of strategy to some and not much to others oh my i mean in the east coast you compared to iowa like we've said uh, iowa gun seasons are between what five to eight days Yep. In that, and in our East Coast gun season is, you know, two a weeks. Month, a month. Can, ours is a month. New York really? is a month. Well, no, it just so it's three weeks. Three wow. weeks, and then we have yeah. a late season, the late muzzleloader uh, holiday season. But like that's three weeks of straight, you know, in the in the in say Iowa, and that Mason can chime in with this is that, you know, do you see a lot of difference in the way the deer move with those breaks in in Iowa gun season compared to straight hunting through or is it I mean they're just so pressured that they you know it's no different they're just running everywhere um so are you asking like the gap in between first and second gun season yeah. um I don't I know I guess I don't think so because I, I guess I've got two different perspectives on it um, the private farm that I've got, I've got cameras on. And like I said, December 3rd, my number one tar- target buck daylighted at 1028 in the morning. December 3rd. That is during gun one. And he didn't have a care in the world. I had another target buck. They also didn't hunt that farm gun one, though, yeah. did they? No, no but no. the surrounding farms did. Yeah. But he's not getting bothered. No, that's true. That but granted, gun two, I'm guessing they did hunt that farm. Yep. And yeah, that deer's gonna be scared shitless. 
They probably didn't. They probably didn't even see him. They don't step foot in the timber. Yeah, so they probably didn't see him, but I'm sure they heard plenty of shooting. They shot two deer. With how many shells? Supposedly they shot three shells because they had to finish one of them off. Oh yeah. They did the good old wound and pound oh, kind of deal. Yeah. See, I do the wound and then the I don't want to gut it. We'll leave it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't find it. We couldn't, we couldn't find it. We we unloaded our guns in Iowa. You have right to retrieve right to retrieval without loaded weapons. So. Uh, they gave it the un- honest effort. Unfortunately, to find it, it got over the fence, and we lost blood. And we checked, we checked the bottom, walked the bottom, checked the thick stuff. Didn't didn't really have anywhere to go from there. But that's to cover my butt on that story. Yeah, but no, like from what I've seen, like even from last year, um, I leave my cameras out on public all the way through from opening day of gun of a uh, bow season all the way through the last day of late muzzleloader which is january 10th and i would say it's not so much pressure of people but i think food that really changes deer pattern on that end as it gets colder they focus more on the higher protein food concentrates they're hitting more ag fields um i think people might push them around a little bit but it's just food i think at least here yeah i mean i know from experience at home with all our ag fields that during gun season, food doesn't matter. I mean, the deer just—they're hunkered down, or they're staying in thick stuff, and you gotta, you gotta get them up and moving to see them. They're or not. even like with your own eyes this weekend, sir. Yep. Gun one, deer got pushed around all the time. Gun two, deer got pushed around all the time. We didn't see deer until the end of the day, yep. and they were piled into fields. They were every ag field you drove by had deer, and it didn't matter Absolutely. if it was beans or corn. And we didn't see deer in that exact block of timber. All day. Yep. And then. Uh, well, we pushed deer into that block of timber too. That's true. But. But it was through a hayfield. Yep. So. Yeah, they were gonna go to ag. They were. They were point. gonna eat. Yeah. So. Yeah, so, I could, I could talk about pushing deer around all day. Is that what yeah. your flintlock season? We don't get the the in New York the joys of hunting, but you want to touch on that a little bit that's a traditional I PA. That's a story for a whole uh, yeah i mean there, there's a there's a flintlock hunt in the works yeah, between we'll these three hooligans out northeast <laughs> this this winter yet so, so we I might save we that should, for, we'll for save later that on and touch to on see that on can, a later episode yeah, yeah. If we can give you an update hopefully one of these guys can manage I think something Sawyer needs to come push muscle loader season with me yeah, before his flintlock season he can bring his in line and come do that too that's right yeah i don't you know could. how many people will have but we'll try We'll figure I it don't out. Very many people muzzleloaders, but I can call some PA guys that I know that come do some muzzleloader. Mason, I guess you're making they a trip did, back to the northeast. We, we, I got a. We can I gotta chase around. Deer. We that can see true. who can walk through the woods faster. Oh, I wonder who it's gonna be, the fat kid or Sawyer? <laughs> no, I'm saying your PA boys. Oh like, yeah, these are North PA boys. Yeah, those these are mountain are, boys. These are uh, Jay Bird. What are they? Uh, what county are they? Lycoming County. Lycoming County. Absolutely. No, they killed. They, and they're they're just as good as gutting it as you mm-hmm. are. Cause, good lord, they shot one. I by the time I got down to see what it was, they had a gun dragged <laughs> out. I got down there and I'm like, where are they? And I see them up the gully dragging already. It must have been five minutes. I'm like, that's unbelievable. It's Sawyer was teaching me how to gut my, well, not teaching me, but showing me how he does it. And 
it's that instinct. He couldn't keep his hands off of that thing. He, <laughs> I, ended, I he ended up just having got my stitches. Yeah, out he just got his stitches out, out, and he still ended up with a knife in his hand for a little while doing it because he just couldn't get away from it. Yep, that's that's the fun part for yep. me is the after process, cutting them up, skinning them, just hanging out. That's what that's yeah. what northeastern United States deer camps all about. And you gotta and everywhere and else. Them. But that's probably the best part. The, yeah. the traditions are strong. Yeah, yeah, and I think, I think I definitely learned that this weekend too. And uh, it's not the deer; it's, it's the people that make deer season what it is. It is, it, and we didn't do too well this weekend, and and they were disappointed. You know, they wanted, they wanted to put a show on for the new guy and everything, but I didn't care. Boat that's, adventures. That's not what it's all about. We didn't do the boat adventure. <laughs> really? It didn't happen because. Oh we, my. yeah. I was excited. Oh, it's a long story. I'll have to tell you. Story for another time. Yeah, it was an idea. It never happened. Miles. I'll figure Miles, Eric. No, it was going to be like four 250-pound guys in like a 14-foot flat bottom (laughs) going up a river that I could walk. The Mississippi. No, it was the (laughs) Maquoketa River. Oh, not the Mississippi. Makokita. Makokita River. We Makokita. won't get too many more details. It's a big river. They won't figure it out. <laughs> Unless you do. If we've you we've do, name dropped a few names. If you do, good luck. There's no name. Yeah, they're fine. They won't figure it out. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. So, <laughs> so I guess well, that yeah, kind of brings this up. episode up to a wrap. So hopefully you guys didn't get too bored listening to everyone ramble on. We, we might have uh, some more stories coming up here. There might be a little gap in between episodes while we're... Yeah, everyone's going home for Christmas. On our yeah. Christmas hunting adventures, but be sure to check us out for the next one. Yeah, again, if you have anything you want us to talk about, feel free to reach out to us. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Four Way Outdoors. Uh, we've also got an email. It's fourwayoutdoors at gmail.com if that helps you reach out at all. Um, we've got a couple of new topics to talk about here later on, but... Uh, we haven't decided which direction we want to go yet. Or if you guys have any ideas, send them our way, and we'll yep. see if we can get them in the rotation. So. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, take care. Thank you. <laughs>